Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. My name is Rachel. I'm the host of the Fearless Podcast and today we're going to be talking about how to cope with peer pressure. Now, before I start talking about peer pressure, let me give you some background on my experience with peer pressure. And it's not a good one. It's, it's really not a good one. Um, when I started high school, I constantly caved into giving into peer pressure. Uh, when I first went to high school, I was a tomboy and I would wear like basketball shorts and runners and tank top and all that kind of stuff. And I was a very active kid. So that kind of moved over into high school. And I remember all the popular girls in my year, you know, they were wearing dresses and skirts and everything matched and I just did not look like that and I remember just on a casual day because we had a school uniform I went to a private school but on a casual day when we when we could wear whatever we wanted if I wore my basketball shorts and my runners and whatever I thought was normal at the time I would just get teased constantly and it even got to the point where I wasn't allowed to sit with them which was very mean girls-esque I think <laughs> and I just remember over time caving very slowly into that whole, uh, that, that peer pressure for me. I remember caving to that. And I remember begging my mum to buy me Girlfriend magazine or Dolly magazine. And she's like, no, you've never had interested in these things before. Why would you have interested in them now? And if I'm being honest, the only reason why I bought those magazines was because all the girls in my school year level was reading them and they were talking about them and I had nothing in common. So I just wanted something to talk about. And so it was the magazines. And then I would start dressing differently. I would try to dress more like them. But then the teasing kind of got really intense and I started getting very angry about it. And the way that I decided to filter that anger was to dress more of like a scene kid or an emo kid. And if you don't know what that is, it's, I'm sure you do know what it is, but it's that stage in life where you wear all black, you've got the heavy eyeliner going, you've got the deep side part, which is very attractive. But anyway, so I just thought I looked really tough and intimidating. And I mean, it worked. I wasn't being teased anymore for, um, for how I looked. I was just more feared, but I mean, now, when my high school friends now, when we talk about that stage in my life, I'm definitely still teased, but it's more of like a ha-ha, we can all laugh about it. Because I think we were all, to some degree, walking down that path. Some people had the deep side part. Some people had the eyeliner. But I had the whole getup. I had the boots. I had the, the black top and, like, the black skinny jeans. And I had all of it. But, yeah, it was, it was a time. It was a time. <laughs> but... Yeah, so I ended up feeling great because people were intimidated by me and I wasn't getting teased anymore, but I wasn't necessarily still being respected. People weren't really taking me seriously. So fast forward past that stage to about year 11 and year 12, near the end of my high school experience, and you know, everyone's thinking about what are you going to do after high school? Oh, how are you getting jobs? What are you doing? That kind of a deal. And in that realm, I wasn't really being taken seriously. So I did like a whole flip and I decided to throw out like majority of my emo clothes and, you know, put, put down the eyeliner. I put it down for a bit, <laughs> transitioned to a cat wing eyeliner instead of like the heavy waterline, you know, ugh, ugly. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I started to transition into buying clothes exclusively from the Target business section, 
Now, you may laugh, but dressing like a businesswoman at the age of 18 got some looks. I was treated with a lot more respect because I guess people thought that I was older than I actually am. But yeah, wearing these businessy looking clothes definitely did get me the respect that I was looking for. I wasn't getting teased as much. But I think at the same time, it got a little bit to my head. I kind of walked around with this air of, you know, not I'm better than you, but just I was just a little bit more uptight. Let's just say that. And I think it was a combination of the clothes I was wearing and also all these high school years of being teased. I was just a, I was really sensitive and I still am to a degree to this day when people tease me. I don't really understand sarcasm a lot of the time. So I get offended quite easily and I, I would, I would like to think it's a result from all these years of being teased in high school. <laughs> anyway, When I look back at the whole journey, the whole embarrassing journey of caving into peer pressure during high school, I just want to cringe with my whole body and my brain and (laughs) crawl into a little hole and never to re-emerge. But that's life, isn't it? I think, though, we can all relate to some degree at you know, looking back into at high school or maybe you are in high school and you're on the verge of doing some things that maybe you shouldn't be doing all for the sake of peer pressure. So let my story encourage you to not make the same dumb mistakes that I did. But if I was to get real for a second, I think all of those reasons, the reasons why I caved and conformed into giving into peer pressure was because I had this mindset of, I really hope you love and accept me, please. And I think a lot of high school students walk around constantly thinking that on some level when they're interacting with their friends or their peers. But yeah, you might not have the same kind of story that I had, but I'm sure, yeah, the heart position is probably the same. We all want to be loved and we want to be accepted by those around us. And we sometimes end up saying things or doing things in order to make that happen. And the more we cave and conform into what other people want from us, hoping that in time it will get easier, but it actually doesn't get easier. One thing that I've learned is that it gets worse. These things follow you around. And sometimes if you don't have the self-awareness to realize that you're caving into peer pressure, sometimes you'll discover that it escalates over time. Now, I just wanted to take a minute and stop and just before I continue, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, which if you don't know what peer pressure is, you are very, very lucky. (laughs) But peer pressure is when your friends or other people, they try to encourage you to do things or act a certain way, even though it makes you uncomfortable. Whether you feel uncomfortable on the surface or very, very deep down, you feel uncomfortable. It's where you don't want to do what your friends want you to do, but you're scared that if you don't, then they won't like you anymore. And yeah, peer pressure is really hard, and especially during high school, because there's pressure from all sides trying to get you to do your very best. And sometimes you feel like you're just going to collapse under all these expectations and you have no idea where to turn. However, one of the best places to turn is what? The Bible. Oh, wow. I didn't see that one coming. (laughs) In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3, it says, Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. So one life principle that you can learn from this verse is before every blessing, there is always a testing. Let me say that again. Before every blessing, there is always a testing. So God wants to use and test us with stress before he trusts us with success. 
Now, I didn't come up with a phrase like that all by myself. I can't rhyme. So (laughs) I learned it from one of my favorite pastors, Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Church over in America. Um, He was like one of the foundational pastors of my faith. When I first became a Christian, I used to binge watch his messages all the time. And he's just brilliant at getting all these complex ideas in the Bible and boiling it down to, you know, step one, step two, step three. And he even gets it to rhyme. Now, that is talent right there. He's such a great pastor. But yeah, so anyway, when you're facing peer pressure or any kind of opposition, it's always good to remember this verse. And if you can't remember this verse, it's really good to remember this phrase because it's just a test of your character. If that's like, if you think about it, peer pressure is a test of your character. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 4 says, We speak God's message because God tested us and trusted us to do it. When we speak, we are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. So if you're going to be blessed or used by God, he's going to test you first. He wants to make sure that you can handle what he wants to bless you with. He wants to see if you can handle the success and not abuse it. He'll test your integrity, which if you don't know what that word means, it's the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. He'll test your humility, loyalty, generosity, faithfulness, truthfulness. He'll test your character. And if you pass his test, then you get elevated, you get promoted, you'll get more power and influence. And just read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 again. <laughs> One area that comes to mind when I think of this topic is the story of Daniel. And there is a book in the Bible called The Book of Daniel, and I recommend that you read it because it's brilliant. But every time God tests Daniel, He passes the test every single time. And every time he passes, he gets promoted. He gives him more insight and influence and more power because God trusted Daniel. He kept making the the right decision. Daniel was also peer pressured and he was pressured to conform to do something that he knew wasn't right. So if you read Daniel chapter one, you'll see that the Babylonian king, King Nebuchadnezzar, took over the land and took at least 25% of Israel hostage and he moved them to, to the country of Babylon. He says to pick out the best looking, smartest, brightest, most gifted teenagers and to bring them to the palace. And Daniel was one of those teenagers that was chosen. And Daniel was like about 15 years old, 15 years old. And the king says that they're going to go through a three-year program to wipe out their memory of Israel and they're going to throw away the Bible because they don't need that anymore. So they get no God. They're going to secularize Daniel, basically brainwash them and train them for three years to serve in the royal palace. And then some might even get promoted further. So they were taught a new language, a new religion, a new culture, new habits, new diet, and they even got new names. So it's basically a whole new reprogramming process. So let's read Daniel chapter 1, verse 5, and then verse 8. We're going to skip forward. The king ordered that the young men should eat some of the same food and wine served at the king's table while they were being trained. After that, they were to become servants of the king of Babylon. And then verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself by eating the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission to not defile himself this way. So if you don't know what defile means, it means to pollute, to contaminate or corrupt. It's basically a loss of purity. For example, if you go to a reserve, like a park or a beach, and you leave all of your picnic rubbish all over the place, you have defiled that place. You've made it impure. Or if you have clean water and you add dirt to it, then you've defiled that clean water. So yeah, I hope you get the picture. 
So Daniel didn't want to eat for a few reasons. One being that it wasn't healthy food to begin with. It was very rich and indulgent food. There's also a cultural reason. Back then, God gave the Jews very strict dietary laws, which are now known today as the kosher laws. I'm not going to go into the reason of why God had these strict dietary laws for the Jews. I think that's just for another time. But bottom line would be there's a difference between God-made food and man-made food. And I think that is even true to today. We're not supposed to be eating copious and huge amounts of, of processed foods. But again, like I said, conversation for another day. Daniel also rejected it because it was a spiritual attack on his identity. So it was another attempt for them to try and get him to forget his spiritual heritage. It was an attack to try and secularize him, to remove God from his identity altogether. So we can learn a big deal from the life of Daniel and how he overcame social pressure when he was only just 15 years old. So let's get into some things that I want you to remember when you're going through this kind of pressure. So remember, number one, you're called to stand out. If you're a Christian, then you've been saved by Jesus' death and sacrifice on the cross. So God wants you to honor and glorify him by living a life that pleases him. And that includes following God first, not our friends or not other people. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, don't conform yourself to the values of this world. Instead, let God transform you by a complete change of how you think. Then you'll be able to know the will of God. So as we grow as Christians, we're meant to look less and less like the world and more and more like Jesus, because we're not of this world. This is a broken world. We're meant for heaven. Instead of imitating the world, we're called to imitate Jesus. And the chances are the world may not like us because of that. They might even hate us or call us names, but we're encouraged to remember John chapter 15 verses 18 to 19, which says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. So the world might hate you, but Jesus went through the exact same thing, and so did Daniel. People were jealous of his success, and his success came from putting God first and honoring him. Every day might be a battle, but we have Jesus and his word to stand on when things get rough. And because of this, we're called to stand out. And when people look at us, they'll be able to see a great witness of God's greatness. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And also, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says, We are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. So you're not meant to fit in anyway. You're actually meant to stand out. The world, the people you go to school with, and even the enemy Satan will try to lie to you and get you to believe that fitting in is so important and you will never be anything if you aren't accepted by anyone. But we don't have to buy into this lie. Instead, we need to turn to God's word to see what he says about fitting in. So how can you shine like a light in a dark world if you're trying to be the same as everyone else? The answer is you can't. You can either be conformed or transformed. You're conformed by the world or transformed by the word of God. And if you're transformed by the word, then you will know the will of God. Lots of people, they say they have no idea what God's will is for their lives, and it's usually because they're just too concerned with the world and being like everyone else instead of being unique and being who God created them to be. So that's number one. You're called to stand out. Number two, 
have courage. If you're overwhelmed, there are so many places you can turn to if you're struggling with your friends. Practically, you can talk to other mature Christians. Now, emphasis on mature. I'm not saying turn to your friends because they're the same age as you, so they've got the same life experience as you, mostly, mostly, okay? But what I mean is go to a mature Christian, someone who's maybe twice your age because they've been through it all. They're going to know what is best. They're going to be able to give you real advice. That being said, maybe turn to a mentor if you have one, a trusted parent or adult for advice. You can also visit Headspace or reach out if you're in Australia. Unfortunately, I'm not very familiar with other services overseas. I'm sorry, but you can also turn to these other areas if you really need some practical help on how to deal with peer pressure. But also, don't forget that Jesus also suffered from pressure and temptation constantly as well when he was on the earth. Many people and even the devil tried to get him to do wrong things. And they, they, all these things, they weren't a part of God's plan. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 says, Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. So when we're feeling tempted to give into peer pressure, we can rest in knowing that Jesus knows how we feel. He stood firm and with his help, we too can also be strengthened to resist peer pressure also. But on the other hand, I want to encourage you by telling you this, have courage. Be willing to stand alone if you have to. It took Daniel a lot of courage to tell the king that he didn't want to eat his food. Now, this is basically an insult to the king because Daniel wasn't the only Jewish guy in the program. He had three other friends that stood by him, and there were a lot of Jewish teenagers who caved and ate the king's food instead of standing by their beliefs and saying that it was going to be against their morals if they were to eat this food. I'm sure some people back then might have even said, oh, but everyone's doing it. How many times have you said that or thought that at some point? I know I have. But Daniel says, I don't care if the whole world's doing it. I'm not doing it because it's not right. He was willing to stand alone. He's willing to say the majority is often wrong. History has proven much of this time after time. Just because the majority likes a particular value or passes a particular law, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. Only God decides what is true and what isn't. That kind of courage is the kind of thing that God blesses. Exodus chapter 23 verse 3 says, Never follow the crowd in doing wrong, and don't be swayed in your testimony by the mood of the majority. How many times have you been at school or been in a group and the majority is talking about something that you know isn't right, and you're the one who's being quiet because you don't have the courage to say anything? When you do that, your testimony is immediately burnt up in flames. Daniel always said something when something wasn't right and God kept promoting him. Daniel started a conversation about what he wanted to eat with his God, his superior. He didn't make aggressive demands, but he offered a peaceful, humble suggestion. He was being humble. He asked to be tested by letting him and his friends have a diet of just vegetables and water for about 10 days and see how healthy he looks compared to everyone else. And then the God could decide if he wants to continue letting them eat their diet or eat the king's food. It was a compromise. So I'm not saying go be aggressive when your friends are saying things that you know is against your beliefs. Not at all. Be humble. Say it with love. Say the right thing with love. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the right words to say something or give you the wisdom when to speak and when not to speak. Anyway, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his friends looked way better than the rest of the people in the training program. So after that, the guard let them eat their own food. And when the program was ended, 
all the young men were brought back to talk to the king personally, and none of them impressed the king more than Daniel and his friends. So they were all promoted to positions in the king's personal service. So all in all, Daniel was promoted five times throughout his lifetime, and even though he never compromised in his convictions, his beliefs, or morals, he just continued to be promoted and gained more and more success and influence in a pagan, ungodly, secular society. He wasn't just surviving, he was thriving. And still, remember, at the end of Daniel's training, he was only 18 years old. He was still very young. He took on the most powerful man at the time and won. He had so much wisdom, courage, discipline and grace at such a young age. And how did Daniel have this much courage? He walked closely with God. He had a close relationship with God. He knew God as his friend. So let me break that down into four smaller things to remember. Number one, I have Jesus with me. Through Jesus, all of our sins are forgiven, so we have free access to God through what Jesus did on the cross. You don't need to have acceptance from anyone else. God is always going to be with you no matter what. You may feel alone in the moment, but you're not. Jesus is with you. Number two, I have the Holy Spirit in me. Not only do you have Jesus with you, but you have God's Spirit in you. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world, which means you have the advantage. Number three, I have the promises of God to me. There are over 6,000 promises in the Bible from God to you, and you can claim them when you're going through hard times, which is why it's so important that you know the word and you read the word regularly. Number four, I have God's family around me. And this is why we go to church. This is why we have small groups or connect groups, whatever you want to call them. This is why we go to youth ministry. And if you aren't a part of those things, then when the time comes when you're facing opposition and you're standing alone, you're not going to have support. You're not going to have your Christian brothers and sisters helping you along the way. So I want to end by reading two different Bible verses. Last ones, I swear. <laughs> the first is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to chapter 7, verse 1. And it says this in the message translation. Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of wrong and right? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that's exactly what we are. Each of us, a temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. I'll live in them, move into them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. So leave the corruption and compromise. I'll be a father to you and you will be my sons and my daughters. With promises like these, dear friends, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. And the second verse is 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. The world is fading away, along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So everything the world values, fitting in, being cool, having money and clothes, it's all going to fade away one day. It will all disappear. But being a light and doing the hard things will matter. Even the tiniest of things, like smiling at someone who looks upset, visiting your elderly relatives, or texting a friend that's going through a really hard time, saying no to going to parties that you know won't have very wholesome things happening, all of that can make a difference in light of eternity. 
So make a decision today. What are you going to choose? Are you going to try to keep chasing things that don't really matter? Or are you going to try to be different and choose to be intentional about how you spend your time and actually do the things that will last for eternity? So yeah, I pray today that you will be like Daniel and you will have the courage to make a stand against peer pressure. So I really hope that today's episode encouraged you and empowered you to take a stand on not caring about fitting in and giving in to peer pressure. If it did, I would love to hear from you. You can message me on the Instagram page at fearless.proverbs or directly on the blog, fearlessproverbs.tumblr.com forward slash ask. I hope you have a great, faith-filled, joyful week and I will see you next Monday for another episode. Bye.